Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 28th of, God, I almost said October, of July 2022. It's not October. It's too damn muggy to be October. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to the program. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. And don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Support the show. Sign up. Tell me which book you want to win, the autographed book contest for this week is the great one mark levin versus kurt schlichter autographed books one person is going to win why not you why not seriously good question all right there's a lot going on in the world but uh, (laughs) there's a lot going on in my household too everybody my wife can barely talk she's lost her voice she's not coughing constantly it's a dry cough but it's uh, not COVID. She took a at-home test yesterday. I took Quinn to the doctor, to the clinic yesterday. Went to one clinic and they said, scan this code on the door and then you can fill out all the paperwork online. That takes about 20 minutes and then you do this, that, and the other. Then they call you and say, all right, it's going to be about a two and a half hour wait. And the way they called me, it was like the lady was like telling me, you don't want to wait. Don't wait. It's just wait for please don't wait. <laughs> All right, so it's a two and a half hour wait right now. Are you sure you want to stick around for that? Like, oh yeah, no, no, no. I, uh, I just figured I had nothing better to do in an evening than sit in a parking lot of a of a clinic. You know, nothing. Nobody's allowed in there until they're called. So I sat there and I thought, there's got to be a better way. So I looked around on uh, Google Maps and I found another clinic nearby called them there was nobody there said you're gonna have somebody there in a second so we went there by the time we got there there were like two other people there we got in pretty quickly and uh, got out fairly quickly it's not COVID again it wasn't COVID in Bailey it's not COVID in Quinn she's got a mild temperature she's got post nasal drip her lungs are clear it's all in the back of the cough is coming from <clears throat> in the back of her throat and um, it's not not good, obviously. She's on some antibiotics because she also had uh, what looked to be a minor ear infection, which is what Bailey had. So they're just passing it around to each other, and I'm doing my best. Yesterday, I felt kind of crummy. I'm doing my best to avoid them while making sure they have food and medicine and are all hydrating. And, uh, yeah, it's been a mess. Now, right now, I'm sitting here and I'm going, I'd love to go to the National Sports Guard Collectors Convention in Atlantic City Saturday. We'll get up early Saturday morning, drive up there, drive back Saturday evening, but just, you know, get good five solid hours in there looking at the stuff. I love that kind of thing. That'll probably be the day that it hits me with my luck. That'll just probably be the day where you wake up four in the morning, ready to go, and you go, ugh, I feel like crap. So fingers crossed that doesn't, fingers crossed I had whatever it was and I just managed to beat it right away. I don't know. We shall see. Anyway, there is, there's the health update. Quinn is uh, still dragging. Bailey's sort of over it, but Quinn is still dragging. So, and the wife can't talk. (laughs) It's just not good. Anyway, there is a lot going on in the world today. 
And I want to start off with this clip from CNN. Jim Shuto and Bill Weir. The first voice you're going to hear is Bill Weir. And then at the end, you're going to hear Jim Shuto's little pearls of wisdom. It really should have uh, Jack Handy's, or no, the, uh, the NBC music, The More You Know. Could be, you know, deep thoughts by Jack Handy, but it should be the bloom, bling, bloom, bloom. They're talking about climate change because Bill Weir's beat at CNN is climate change. You imagine that being your beat. That being your, that's your whole beat. That's your whole life. What do you think you're always going to find? Because if you ever go, you know what? I've looked into it. There's a lot of crap here. There's nothing going on. There's no truth to this thing. Guess who just thought themselves out of a job? Just like all those academics who are like dedicated. We're finding climate change is impacting everything. Really? Are you finding climate change is impacting everything? Is the first thing most impacted the grant process from the federal government and various organizations that fund universities? Is that the first thing that's being impacted by climate change? Because, you know, you you say, hey, I uh, I looked into this. I didn't find... I found that climate change wasn't really happening, that it was just to say our instruments were screwed up. Sorry about that. And then what happens? They go, oh, uh, yeah, you're you're fired. But, well, you're not fired, but part of your condition of employment is that you get grants and do research and get published. Nobody's going to give you a grant now, and nobody's going to publish your research because you went against the orthodoxy. You are the Martin Luther of climate science and you have to get out of here see real science is admitting what you don't know and admitting that you don't know it. it's really the only way you can find out find out get an answer find out about it learn about it is to go i don't know what this is i'm going to look for it instead they now know what they're looking for and go about proving it or trying to prove it and they say well this way looking at it didn't work Let's tweak it this way. And that still doesn't give me any. Yeah, this way is, if I do it this way, it's a little bit ambiguous. And we can say, and we can speculate out a hundred years. All right, we'll go with this one. That's it. Who's to have a conclusion, to have a conclusion in search of a justification. Yet that's what it is now. Whether it's biology, general human biology, and gender. They just, you know, go, oh, well, you can't. You can't look at the data objectively and say, my God, there's a whole bunch, you know, 85% of people who say that they were uh, transgender later on in life say they were not. You can't look at that data. Nobody's going to publish that data. Why? Because that data could lead to harm of people uh, who are at risk, especially the most at risk, uh, trans women and trans women of color, black trans women of color. Those will be the worst hit. And you can't do anything or say anything then because science, you can call it lots of things. That's not science. It's not remotely science. So you've got these two uh, intellectual lightweights over at CNN, Bill Weir and Jim Shuto. Jim Shuto, he cracks an unintentional joke at the end of it. But listen to the skepticism with which they... Not even skepticism. Oh, they've made up their mind on climate change. A reporter is not supposed to tell you what they think. At least they weren't supposed to tell you what they think. Now they won't shut up about what they think. These two are all about what they think. They don't back it up. They don't try to. It's like listening in on a conversation of two people who are... uh, They can't be convinced of anything. They know. 
they know they've made up their mind and there's no talking them out of anything. Any committed leftist knows you, there's no point in talking to them about in any challenging way what they believe because they simply are not open to the prospect of it. But they expect everybody else to open up and swallow what they sell. That's the joke at the end. Listen to it. So to put this in perspective, uh, according to Bill McKibben, Hillary Clinton was going to declare this uh, on day one, a national emergency, just to set the conversation in this way. Some people think it, it blunts the message that you need a clear mission. Like, what, what are we declaring yeah. an emergency? What is the target trying to fight that? Um, it should touch every cabinet office, really, uh, holistically. So that's what people are waiting to see is what the president does now that he really doesn't have the courts or Congress on his side in any meaningful way. And, Jim, I actually spoke to your old high school recently, mm-hmm. and uh, the debate team was telling me the topic of their last debate was, can a democracy even solve a climate crisis? What kind mm-hmm. of governments can? And I think the proof is, uh, that we see around us is the American form of democracy, the 2022 version, certainly cannot. Goodness, because it requires sacrifice and compromise, right? And there's not a lot of that Absolutely. in politics yeah. these days. <laughs> American democracy can't solve climate change. Why? Because too many people are allowed to have contrary opinions. Too many people are allowed to have contrary opinions. They're sitting there and they seemingly are unaware of the fact that what they're advocating for is nothing more than totalitarian dictatorships. That's it. That's what they're advocating for. They don't get the joke. And at the end, well, because of compromise and sacrifice. Well, okay, what uh, compromise? Were you willing to compromise there, Jim, on anything? You willing to compromise on anything? No? No? Compromise to a leftist is you give them everything they want and you expect nothing in return. And you accept nothing in return. That's compromise to a leftist. So they're saying, well, because it requires sacrifice. Hey, Jim, you're sitting in a really big studio in uh, New York. What's the temperature of that studio? I'm betting it's like 68, right? You uh, you didn't work. Subway to work. You probably rode in the back of a town car or an SUV. You willing to give that up and hop on the side? I mean, sacrifices have to be made right jim no he's not willing to do that by the way at the beginning he talks about uh, bill mckibben said that hillary was ready to build and you think well who's bill mckibben this is how they talk you don't know who bill mckibben is i've heard the name i've written about him before i think i've looked him up i've done some research he's a left-wing environmentalist wacko does was hillary going to declare climate an emergency as bill mckibben says who knows but it tells you who these CNN people assume everybody knows. Because, you know, when they're in the newsroom hanging out, just shooting a breeze like, like a couple of uh, trans guys or whatever, they, uh, they all know who Bill McKibben is. He's described as an, environmental, an American environmentalist, author, and journalist. Is an activist and a journalist. Did you see that disconnect? Who has written extensively on the impact of global warming. Oh, so what do you think he's going to see in everything, in his bowl of cereal, in his pile of mashed potatoes? He's going to climate change, climate change. Why? Because he's made a nice living, a nice living doing just that. And if he suddenly goes, wait, this doesn't fit. When people like Bill McKibben, when people like these people at CNN, when something comes out that is contrary to 
their narrative to their deeply held beliefs, to their core religious beliefs? What do they do? They do not go, I will look into this. I will, you know, I believe this to be false and therefore I shall set about disproving it. No, they do not do that. What they do is they either ignore it, which is the most common thing. But if it manages, if some, if something manages to get some oxygen, if something contrary to manages to get some oxygen, they go about destroying it, not by pointing out where it is wrong, if it is wrong. They don't take it on directly. What they do is what they've always done. About 35 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, the Competitive Enterprise Institute received a donation or grant or whatever it was from ExxonMobil. It was not, I think it was billions of, I think it was for a few thousand dollars, maybe $10,000. It was not for $10 million or anything. here's your funding budget for the next decade. No, it wasn't anything like that. It wasn't even recurring. But ever since then, every time the Competitive Enterprise Institute pokes a hole in something that these people are spewing, and they do so often, they have really great experts. One of their experts, Pat Michaels, was part of prize-winning, Nobel Prize-winning uh, interpan- intergovernmental panel on climate change when they won the Nobel Prize for climate change. He's not. He doesn't deny that the climate is changing. He thinks that maybe there's a... Maybe a human component, but there's also largely natural component because he's looked at the data. Uh, they just ignore him because he's inconvenient. But he was—he's got a chunk of that Nobel Prize at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Whenever anybody, anything, toot does anything, toot does anything. What do they do? They say they're funded by big oil, and that's the end of the discussion. They're funded by big oil because 30 years ago they got ten thousand dollars from ExxonMobil. And that's it. Do you really think that's the way it works? Look, I'm all for believing that Washington in every capacity is wildly corrupt. I've seen it. It's perfectly legal corruption. I've written about it. I've talked about it. But it's corrupt in jail. If you did be in jail, if you did your books for your business the way that the government does their books, they you'd be in jail. It's that simple. Not to mention the fact that perfectly safe Candidates for the House, for example, can loan their own campaigns millions of dollars, set the interest rates, and then take their sweet time paying it back while raising money from lobbyists and special interests and going, oh, yeah, no, this money is going to help pay back campaign debts. Well, the campaign debts are to you at you know 10% interest rates. So you're making a profit off of this. You can't take their money and put it directly in your pocket, but you can call it I'm repaying a campaign debt to yourself, terms set by you, and you can take their money all day long. Perfectly legal corruption. But having gotten money from the oil industry three decades ago is not corrupting. corrupting. If it is, then what is your entire existence being dependent upon something existing? Hmm? What is that? That, you don't want to talk about corrupting. The environmentalist left, this reporter at CNN, all of them. If climate, if suddenly discovered beyond a reasonable doubt, science, somebody did some science, and they said, wait a second, 
Climate change is not man-made. It's occurring. That's the occurring. That's just the way it works. All of these people would be out of work. It's like the doomsday cult who predicts that come Monday, the world will end. Come, there you go, Monday 2030, Monday, October 12th, 2030, I don't know what day that is, the world will end, and you can get, you know, eight good years out of being, yeah, yeah, look at me, and you'll get more followers, and people will believe you, and you can get them to give you all their stuff, and everything, and then come, well, hey, October 12th, hey, October 12th, 2030, everybody's ready, come Tuesday, October 13th, 2030, you got some explaining to do. You're probably going to lose all except for the dumbest of your followers. <laughs> and they're going to want their stuff back. And they're going to sit there and feel ripped off. And they're going to come after you, maybe with torches and pitchforks. You never know. That's what, the, that's what would happen to these environmentalist nuts who've been in gloom. And it's already sad commentary on, on people and the, the intelligence of crowds or lack thereof of people who've lived through 35 years of 10-year predictions of doom and gloom. We should all be mermen by now, but we're not because they've been wrong on everything. So what they do is they never say, well, we were wrong about that. They never acknowledge it again, and they make more predictions. But now they've wised up, and they, do ten, they don't do 10-year predictions anymore. They do 100-year predictions because anybody who's going to fall for it today will be dead in 100 years. They won't have to have that weird... Tuesday, October 13th, 2030 conversation with a whole bunch of people going, hey, we're all still here. Where's my stuff? They don't want to have that conversation. They're not built for it. So as you sit there and you listen to these clowns over at CNN go, we can't do anything about climate change because nobody's willing to compromise. I just want to give you a shining example of well, the things comp- that the left compromise about. There is a concerted effort right now on the left to damage, if not fire, but damage Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens' brother. They want to damage him. Why? Because he's pro-life. He's pro-life. Now, if you search... Jim Harbaugh right now. You'll see ESPN, sorry, Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh says he's helped raise baby. Remember the team got blah, blah, blah. He is uh, on social media being ridiculed. He is being attacked. It's somehow, it's somehow this is news. I don't know how this is news. I'm going to play you the clip of Jim Harbaugh talking about what he tells his players. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but college football players... Uh, more than likely, not always, not you know, not all of them. Tim Tebow didn't, but the vast majority of them have, uh, shall we say, active sex lives. Okay, that's just part of the uh, part of the appeal of it, part of the the deal that comes with it. Star athletes always have this problem or blessing, depending on how you look at it. Uh, so there will likely be or at least there's a higher possibility, because you're not dealing again with uh, that many Rhodes Scholars. Maybe there have been some Rhodes Scholars to come out of college football programs or college sporting programs, but I am unaware of them. But uh, they are not probably known for their responsible behavior, trying to 
clean this up for a family show. They're not known for uh, their their deep thoughts either, right? They're just they just do what they do. So Jim Harbaugh is pro life, and what he tells his players people who work on the team, anybody around the University of Michigan Wolverine football program, which, having grown up there in Michigan, 40 minutes or so from Ann Arbor, a lot of people, a lot of people involved in that. Jim Harbaugh has a simple message. Now imagine hearing this message and being mad about it. I've told, same thing I tell my, my, my kids, boys, the girls, same thing I tell our our players, our staff members, uh, you know, I would encourage them if they have, if they have a pregnancy that's, you know, wasn't planned, uh, you know, to go through with it, go through with it, you know, let that, that unborn child be born. And if at that time uh, you, you don't feel like you can care for it, you don't have the means or the wherewithal, then Sarah and I will take that baby. Any player on our team, uh, any female staff member, any staff member, or anybody in, in our family or our uh, our uh, our extended family <clears throat> that 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 uh, doesn't feel like after they have a baby that they can take care of for it. We got a big house. We'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll raise that baby. Now, how is that controversial? He's not saying, or else I'll destroy you. If I find out you do something, you have an abortion, you pay for an abortion, you facilitate an abortion, you'll never play college football for me again i will strip you of your scholarship i will do it nothing like that he's saying if you're in this situation and you can't handle it and you don't want to handle it or whatever rather than have an abortion don't worry my wife and i will raise that baby don't kill it how's that go on what planet is that controversial well it's on planet liberal it's controversial Nina Turner was, I believe she was the campaign manager for Bernie Sanders. She also ran for Congress in Ohio. She's a former state senator there. She bombed. She didn't even make it. She she lost in the general election last time, and she lost in a primary this time. She's just not a popular person with normal human beings. But with progressives, she's wildly popular, including her 545,000 Twitter followers. She saw that video of Jim Harbaugh. Now, keeping in mind, Jim Shooter going, yeah, we just uh, we can't get anything done because there's no compromise in Washington. People just are mean. She responded to that, said, there are over, one, uh, over 10,000 foster children in the state of Michigan. Okay. Congratulations, Nina. One thing those 10,000 foster children in the state of Michigan have in common, Nina, I don't mean to point this out to you, but uh, apparently you don't recognize it. They're all alive. They're all alive. Yeah, just just say it. And then some of the other responses to her thing, because, of course, her army of flying monkeys is, you know, half million plus strong, and they are all leftists. Haven't seen any conservatives telling him to stick to sports on this one. Strange. Yeah, see, liberals love to try to lose arguments they've already won. You sit there and you say, well, you're, you're going to take advice from LeBron James. And when they say, you're a racist, shut up, don't talk about LeBron James. You don't know. Everybody, he's an American, he's allowed to have his opinion. Okay, fine, he can do that. I don't care, I'm not interested in what LeBron James has to say. It's always noun, verb, racism, 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 who cares, all right? I get it. 
He can do it. Nobody's trying to shut up LeBron James. In fact, most of the time, we conservatives want to amplify LeBron James. We want to give him a bigger microphone and say this is indicative of the mindset of the left because LeBron James is not a particularly bright human being. He's made a ton of money. He's got good business managers. But, you know, you wouldn't want to bet your life on him winning a game of Scrabble. Funny, there's this meme going around. LeBron James is always photographed or has been photographed a lot sitting in his locker in the locker room reading a book reading various books and they're always like woke books the autobiography of malcolm x is one of them and he's always on page one whenever he's pictured it's always on page one they never have it's like okay now at some point one person did one reporter did ask him what he thought of what he'd learned what his favorite part of the autobiography of malcolm x was and it was painfully obvious that he had no idea he was just told be photographed or wanted to be photographed holding this book, looking like he's reading it. Nobody, no professional athlete goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to work early. I'm going to sit in my locker. And instead of getting dressed and practicing and you know doing my job, I'm going to sit there on a wooden bench, an uncomfortable wooden bench, and read a book with a whole bunch of sweaty dudes around me. No, these people have the finest furniture on the face of the earth. If they want to read a book, they will sit in that comfy recliner and read the book. And they go to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to work in the smelly locker room and sit on that pine bench so my butt falls asleep and read this book. Yeah, right. But the problem is there are no photographers at your house. Another response, this completely, and this is the mindset of the left, this completely ignores the wear and tear on the pregnant person's body, which includes the risk of long-term issues often permanent damage, and the risk of death from pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum. The woman means absolutely nothing to these people. They don't even mention her. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Somebody took the risk, the horrible, who knew it? It's a coin toss. Actually, it's more, tilting more towards the fact that your mom was going to die in childbirth, and yet you were born. The wear and tear in the pregnant person's body. Uh, some people really do make a pretty strong case for abortion. I just got to be honest. But you imagine the left is mocking him. Harbaugh's anti-abortion stance comes after the University of Michigan's interim president, Mary Sue Coleman, condemned the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. So what? So what? Oh, no, 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 you're not allowed to disagree with your boss. You're not? I don't think that's how it works. Not in America. No, in liberal America, you're not allowed to disagree with the state. I get that. They don't like that at all. But even, like, the Detroit Free Press, their headline, Jim Harbaugh's abortion stance differs from Michigan players. Quote, we don't have to think the same. What a novel, crazy idea. But why would this story be written? Where's the editor's... What does it tell you about the editor's mindset? Just mentality in general. That they would sit there and go, you know what? Jim Harbaugh said something controversial about abortion. Controversial? He's saying he'll happily, you know, raise the child. Don't do it. You No responsibility. You got uh, the sex, and then you can walk away. Just don't have an abortion. Nope, that's controversial. 
I'm not forcing anybody to do anything. Michigan football, this is the Detroit Free Press, Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh has an opinion, and he's sticking to it. They act as though they have no conservatives in their lives. Maybe they don't. Maybe they've never come across a conservative out in the wild because the second they get a sense that somebody is strayed from the thought plantation, they immediately run the other way. Earlier this month, Harbaugh spoke at an anti-abortion event. Now, this is an opinion. This is in the sports pages. It's not actually opinion. This is a sports story. But the idea that to be pro-life is to be anti-abortion, that's the framing. It is pro-choice or anti-abortion. Or anti, at least he didn't say anti-choice. It's not pro-life. Why? Because they did some focus grouping a few years ago, and they discovered that uh, pro-choice, yeah, that's all right. People kind of like the ring of that. But pro-life, people didn't have a problem with that. They didn't have, like, well, who's not pro-life? So the left decided that it could no longer be pro-life. You're anti-choice. You're anti-abortion. You're anti-whatever. Anti, 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 rather than pro-something. They're pro, you're anti. Negative has a negative connotation. It is, um, it's very Hitlerian. It's like Goebbels is sitting there going, oh, you guys are better at this stuff than I ever thought I could be. Uh, Sharing his opinion that he is against abortion. In an interview with ESPN last week, while his team was on tour of the state, he said he told his players and family members he would help with an unwanted pregnancy. And they reiterate the quote. On Monday during Media Day at Lucas Oil Stadium, he stuck by his public stance. How in the hell? They got to have three bites at this apple at least. He says it at a rally. Then ESPN goes, well, we have to go and make sure. You didn't really, really mean that stuff about not liking abortion, did you? You did? Oh, my God. And then he goes to in front of the whole press, and they all go, we're a bunch of sports writers which, quite frankly, in my experience, with one exception, they're a pretty scummy group. Most journalists are kind of a scummy group. And they, go, oh, they, they pal around with the athletes. Maybe they don't uh, engage in the same activities that the athletes do, but a lot of them do. They become real friends with the athletes, and maybe the one athlete, the star athlete, and uh, there are like three women there who are all vying for the attention of the star athlete, and you're just this D-bag reporter sitting there with them having a drink. And uh, you know, the one, the athlete picks the one or the two or whatever, and the other one goes, well, I got to do something, and they look at the, uh, the reporter, married or not, and they go, well, eh, whatever, star athlete, married or not. There's a lot of that if you're in the orbit of these people. So, yeah, they're they're moralizing these people. Quote, in my opinion, it needs communication, he said. We need to talk about it. It's too big an issue not to give real serious consideration. What kind of person would you be if you didn't stand up for what you believe in and didn't fight tooth and nail for it? I believe in letting the unborn be born. This is a sports story. This this is back to the reporting, not the quote. This goes against the university's policy following the U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade in June when the university released a statement that said in part, quote, the University of Michigan and Michigan Medicine remains committed to providing high-quality, safe, reproductive care for patients across their reproductive health needs. This includes abortion care, end quote. 
So what? Because the president of the university has an opinion? The Anybody else isn't allowed to have an opinion? Is there going to be a box to be checked on the application for the University of Michigan when you send in your $100 application fee or whatever it is to maybe incur $200,000 in debt for an undergraduate degree? Does there also say, but you know, where are you on the, the abortion issue? Because we might not want you. Then University of Michigan Interim President Mary Sue Coleman said she cares about women's rights and stands with the student population of more than half half of women. How can that be? I thought women were oppressed. How can a university, a top-notch university, have more than half women? We'll, quote, do everything in my power as president to ensure we continue to provide this critically important care. Dozens of University of Medical students walked out of their induction ceremony on Sunday to protest a keynote speaker who has anti-abortion views. Good, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. As one of the faces of the university, Harborough, was asked if he has faced any pushback from higher-ups. Quote, One of the things I respect and love about the University of Michigan, they encourage people to share their opinions. They welcome it, and there's even more forums for it. There's a university policy. I have a different view, but as I said, that's what I represent and love about a place like Michigan. They want him fired. They keep bringing this up. This story is written two weeks after he said it. Why? He said it the first time. Why? Because they want him fired. Right now, it's not easy to get a college football coach fired. Why? Because the Army of Flying Monkeys are home for the summer. All these kids are home for the summer. They can't be sitting in the president's office. They can't be taking over the quad and demanding justice or whatever. They can't do that. Then they brought in college players from the team to question them. And they all said, no, no, I'm, uh, I'm not stupid. I support a woman's right to choose. Okay, Harbaugh does too. Harbaugh is saying, please choose this. Harbaugh is saying, if you can't handle it, I'll burden, I'll handle it, I'll shoulder it, I'll raise the kid. And I bet you, you know, in five years when your dreams of being a, a professional football player are over and you, you get your life together and you recognize that... Uh, You're not going to be a pro athlete. And then you go, hey, I wonder whatever happened to that kid. I bet you Harbaugh won't come back and say, you can't can't visit this kid. This kid can't be in your life at all, ever. I bet you they'd welcome that. I bet you they wouldn't pretend that you don't exist. They'd just take care of the kid. And that's somehow controversial. But Jim Shudo sits there and says, well, there's there's no willing to compromise anymore. Where's the compromise in this story? Jim Harbaugh is evil and must be destroyed because he believes something liberals don't want people to be able to think and believe. How do you compromise with that? If you sit across the table from a terrorist and they want you dead, how do you compromise with that? Well, you can have my left arm. I don't use it very often. Is that acceptable to you? No, none of this is because they're crazy. Anyway, we've got a, a lot of other things going on in the world to talk about that are, um, it's amazing what goes on. By the way, it's, you're sitting here and you're hearing all these stories about, uh, my God, it's a record heat wave. 
to record heat where people are dying. The UK, heat wave. Red alert, red alert, red alert. We're breaking records. We're coming close to breaking records. Really? When were the records set? Last year? No? Then the 30s? What was going on in the 30s? Don't talk about that. You're a denier. You're a monster. Well, this one, I saw this because they're, they're, they're all going all in about uh, what constitutes you know, climate change and how everybody's dying and everything. Washington Post headline. Rio Grande runs dry in Albuquerque for the first time in 40 years. I'm going to read that headline again. Rio Grande runs dry in Albuquerque for the first time in 40 years. Now, they're saying it's all climate change. What happened 40 years ago? What was going on 40 years ago? The story, just real quick. A stretch of the Rio Grande near Albuquerque that supplies farmers with water and a habitat for an array of aquatic life is dying. An unsettling sight of climate change's effect on a populous U.S. city. Climate change. And I'll just reread you the headline, just so you know. Rio Grande runs dry in Albuquerque for a first time in 40 years. In 40, well, if this is climate change, what was it 40 years ago? Somebody accidentally dammed the Rio Grande. <laughs> where did you want me? You wanted this dam where? I put it on the Rio Grande. I don't know. I just saw a river and I thought I'd block it up. As the, it, it, it's amazing. As the summer's hotter and drier weather has fueled drought and fire through the West, federal and local agencies are salvaging what they can along a 100-mile section of the river, rationing the water for 66,000 acres of agricultural land and rescuing silvery minnows stranded in the remaining puddles of water. If the area doesn't get consistent rain soon, the drought, not matched in four decades, could worsen. What happened four decades ago? They were also warning residents to prepare for the sight of a bed of mud and sand where once the nation's longest river should flow, while the southern stretches of the river regularly dry out. Hmm? This reach has not experienced a drought like this since 1983. How, well, okay, what happened in 1983? Why? Why is it... Not climate change in 1983. Why is it climate change now rather than something that happens every once in a while? They admit, look, stretches of the river run dry. Stretches of the river run dry all the time. All the time. But not this stretch. This stretch hasn't run dry for 30 years. Well, 30 years, what is that in the span of Earth's history? Nothing? Literally less than a snap of fingers? Is that what it is? But this time it's climate change. In 1983, it was, I don't know, in preparation for the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. But right now, it's definitely climate change. This is what I mean. You can't, if you want a government grant to study, if you're just making it up, if you really want to study the mating habits of squirrels, the government probably doesn't give a damn about the mating habits of squirrels, and your grant will... Well, not, it'll might get approved, but it probably won't. You want to improve the odds of your grant being approved and you getting the money exponentially. You say, I want to study the mating habits of squirrels as it's impacted by climate change. And the government will immediately dispatch a Brinks truck to your front lawn to dump out a pile of money going, here you go, climate change. 
Yes, it's the it's the magic word. It used to be please when you were a kid. Now it's climate change. And instead of, you know, getting that extra cookie from your parents, it's getting uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars from your government of our money. Talk about a scam. I'm going to shift gears over to the UK for a second. As we're sitting here and we're talking about all the oppressed women, all these women that are forced to have babies. Um, over in the UK... There is a women's rugby league. I don't know if you ever watched rugby or not. It is, um, it's a brutal sport. It's just, I don't understand all the, it's like watching Australian rules football. I think they had a championship game this week on Australia. I saw something, somebody I follow from Australia is showing a clip of Australian league football where it was set to the Celine Dion song from Titanic. And, uh, the guy kicks the ball and it goes through the, the two middle uprights. And that was like the end of the game or whatever. And the score was like 80 to 74. So I don't know how it works. But I've watched hours of that stuff. And I refuse to look up how to play it. And rugby. Rugby is a little bit easier to understand. And I just, I'm disappointed in people who like rugby a lot. Australian rules football is a little bit different and weirder. But... Uh, I honestly don't know what in the hell goes on in these things. They get the, they got to kick the ball through the thing from somewhere and they score points. And they're those dudes with the weird hats and the sunglasses point with their arms. It's hypnotic. It's, it reminds me of when I was a kid and I'd watch hours of curling and come away knowing less about curling. Cause like they, they don't, they don't try to explain it. That's the beautiful thing about like Canadian television and Australian television is they're not welcoming their viewers from the United States or around the world. They're they're talking to people who know what the hell is going on. I imagine it's a lot like if you had uh, just baseball suddenly broadcast to... I'm trying to think of where they don't know baseball. Actually, at this point, everywhere knows kind of baseball. But like Sub-Saharan Africa, they just get television, and then uh, they say, well, here's Major League Baseball, but there's no attempt to explain what's going on in Major League Baseball. No, like, here's how you score. Here's what a hit is. Here's a home run. Here's this. Here's an error. It's just normal American broadcasting. They'd be so lost. That's how I feel every time I watch rugby or Australian rules football and still a little bit to this day curling. But the women's rugby team over their league in the U.K., is voting. This story comes to us from The Guardian. Transgender women will no longer be allowed to play in female contact rugby competitions in England due to safety and fairness concerns under new recommendations from the Rugby Football Union to be voted on next Friday. That starts off like sounds like they've already made their decision and then it's not because it's a poorly written opening paragraph, but that's beside the point. It marks a significant U-turn by the governing body, which until now has allowed transgender women to play at grassroots and club levels, provided they undergo an independent medical assessment. Let's look under the hood and see what's going on. The problem is, men are bigger than women. Men are a lot bigger than women. Men are stronger than women. Now, give me, there's an exception. There's exceptions to every rule. Of course, there are plenty of women out there who are stronger than any man you'll ever meet. But you have to play the averages, okay? So when you got, uh, if Chuck Liddell suddenly says, you know what? 
I feel pretty. I feel like a woman. And therefore, I am going to go into the UFC and UFC if I can't get myself another title. He would destroy all the women he goes up against. Why? Because he's a monster. He's just a beast inside the octagon. You wouldn't, And you would sit there. If you watched Chuck Liddell, if he grew his hair out and uh, wore a, a, a full body suit or whatever, the top and the bottom, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty and I feel great, you would feel awful watching Chuck Liddell beat holy hell out of a woman. You would. You're a human being. Man or woman, you would sit there and you go, my God, it would remind you of any domestic violence clips you ever saw on Cops. It would remind you of Ray Rice. It would remind you of all of that footage that we've all seen of people, of men hitting women, big men hitting women. You just go, my God, that's Chuck Liddell. And the crowd would be, I'd imagine, confused. Now, it doesn't matter that Chuck Liddell says, you know what, I'm a woman now. I identify as a woman. I feel like a woman and therefore shut up. It's just the way it is. We know our minds know what reality is. So the same as in rugby. Rugby's a brutal sport. If you've got a couple of five foot five women trying to tackle a six foot five dude, muscle bound, fit, and uh, doesn't care, because part of I think a normal male brain is like. Well, I'm gonna, I gotta take it easy. I'm not gonna plow right into those women. I'm not gonna stiff arm them. I'm not gonna throw them an elbow. I'm not gonna lower the shoulder into them. But if you've convinced yourself, no, 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 I'm I'm every bit as woman as that person is, and you do those kind of things, you're gonna do some serious damage. You're going to injure people, perhaps irrevocably. That one dude who did fight UFC for a little while, he broke the woman's eye socket in his first fight. You go, geez, what the hell? Yeah, because that's what happens, okay? It doesn't always happen, but it happens a hell of a lot more than it should because men are bigger and stronger, on average, than women. So stop pretending. So the league is going to consider voting on voting this and changing the rules to make sure that men can't play rugby. Well, the manager of the York RIT, I don't know, Rugby International, I don't know what these things stand for. She released a video on social media today. She wants to be woke. Now, this is somebody telling her team that she doesn't give a damn about their safety. Either that or she's got a giant ringer sitting off to the side of the camera. But listen to this, and then at the end, it's the dead giveaway, because liberals, progressives, leftists, they're progressives first. They're anything, anything else a very distant second and this woman makes it known where her loyalties are hi my name's kat and i'm coming to you today as the manager of york ri women's division to talk about the vote that's being taken by the rfu to exclude trans women from women's rugby i'll keep it simple today there's nothing that i can say that hasn't already been beautifully articulated by other players from across the country. I particularly recommend the statement that's been put out by Sasha at the Bristol Bisons, who's talked with such nuance and understanding as an experienced player of our sport. What I would say is that York RI women are strongly opposed to the idea of trans women being excluded from our sport. 
Rugby's long been a home for women of all shapes, sizes and backgrounds, and we think that this vote is in opposition to that. We implore the RFU to vote for the inclusion of trans women in our sport. Trans women are women. Trans liberation now. Trans liberation now. Right there at the end, she slips in. Trans liberation. Well, how are trans people oppressed? How are trans... Well, you're not accepting them as full-blown women. Well, it's because the penis kind of gets in the way. It's kind of a, you know... Sticking point, but more than that, it is the uh, muscle mass, the bone density, the testosterone, the size difference on it. All of those, those things also get in the way too. It's not just you know what's covered up by the shorts. But these people don't care. This you know, oh, our our women, we're tough. We're tough. I bet you you'd get a different result if you allowed the women to vote privately on your team there coach or manager i bet you because why well if you've got a manager who says trans liberation now virtue signaling saying i don't really give a damn about the safety of my players i have a political agenda and that trumps everything there your players aren't going to be too quick to come running to you and say hey coach Gee, coach, I don't really think this is right. I'd really rather not have a uh, 250-pound dude coming at me, lowering the shoulder into my chest, cracking my sternum and, you know, collapsing a lung. I'd really rather not have that. No, you can't go to that person. You know why? Your playing time be cut if you're not cut completely from the team. That's the progressive mindset. Everybody's on board. Is everybody on board or are there any transphobic monsters on this team? Well, how many people are going to raise their hand going, no, 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 I'm a, I'm a transphobic monster. When in reality, they're like, I just don't want to have to end up in traction for a while because somebody cracked my spinal cord. This is the left. This is the modern left. Like I say, they're crazy. They're crazy everywhere. They are left everywhere. They will put anything and everything behind their politics. Forget it. Everything comes second. Since we're kind of talking about gender, I want to hear, I want you to hear how the vice president of the United States introduced herself at a meeting at the uh, White House. I think it was actually in the old executive office building yesterday. There, She's holding roundtables. She's the point person on abortion. It's weird. They suddenly realized that a woman is. And uh, they didn't, they're, they're plenty, they didn't put Rachel Levine out there, that dude from Pennsylvania. He's not the point woman on uh, abortion for the Democratic Party. But why not? Why? Trans women are women, I thought. But no, no. They want somebody who can who's actually a woman out there. So they got the vice president as a close approximation of it. But uh, she introduced herself in a, uh, a very TikTok-y, very online woke sort of millennial way. Uh, good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. Now you may be sitting there scratching your head going, what the hell is that? 
Why is she doing? Well, because they're uh, like Google. When Google does videos for their own staff, they do that. I'm a Hispanic woman with uh, a brown shirt on and tan pants, and my pronouns are this, that, and the other thing. And you're sitting there going, "What the hell is this?" Well, it's it's inclusive, man. It's just inclusive, baby, because there are blind people in the world. Seriously, it's it's that simple. The pronoun bit is just a a bowing to the left wing mob, but then there is the uh, hey, I'm a uh, I'm wearing this and I'm wearing okay. Who cares? Nobody thought you were naked, unless you're saying. And to my immediate right is Willie Brown. Maybe he's naked because you know it seems like old times. But then she went on to talk. Everybody at this event did this, by the way. Like, I'm a Hispanic woman. I was like, just shut up already. Then she went on to toss a word salad about the Dobbs decision that uh, overturned Roe v. Wade. I just want to play this clip for you because I should really run a contest. Can you figure out what in the hell Kamala Harris is talking about here? She does stuff like this all the time. I don't know if she's reading it or making it up. Uh, Neither is particularly a good option. And the act of the United States Supreme Court to take away a constitutional right that had been recognized the people of America will impact a lot of people and differently in some situations. And we need to be responsive to these issues and also lift up the voices of all people who will be impacted in the way that they will be impacted. So that's why we are convened today. And um, I will add a couple of points in terms of the direct impact that we anticipate there will be from the Dobbs decision. What the hell is it? And we're going to be impacted by the, we're going to talk about the impact of the impacted and the people are being, is it a bad tooth? What is it? Somebody constipated? What's impacted here? What's going on? And we're going to unpack the impacted. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I like these pants. I don't want to see them ruined. We're going to impact the unpacted and pack the, the, the toss the word salad and we're going to look at these things and the other things and then the third things in the way. And you're just sitting there going, this is one heartbeat away from the presidency. One heartbeat away from the presidency. This is this is the best Democrats had to offer. This. And actually, when you look at the rest of the field, you go, all right, okay, I can see that. I mean, it's a photo finish for last place. But, uh, yeah, not a super pretty picture, that photo finish. Anyway. So we go from our vice president. I mean, that really is one hell of a word salad. It's just amazing how she can, you would think if she's reading it at some point, mid-paragraph of nonsense, she would just put the notepad away and go, wow, uh, whoever wrote that needs to be fired. So it makes me think that this is her speaking off the cuff, which means that whoever, uh, maybe the written word was worse, which doesn't say much, but it might just be that she has no faith in her staff. It's more than likely that what always happens with politicians is they are convinced that they are smarter than anybody who works for them. And therefore, they uh, they don't really need to follow them. They don't need to listen. They don't need to take the advice. They can speak off the cuff about things. And Look, if it's just general trivia, maybe some of these people are smarter than their staffs. But what they fail to realize is that they pay these people a decent sum of money to 
study these things. This is a lot of these people's lives, sad, pathetic lives, but their lives nonetheless. And so uh, when you uh, pay somebody that, when they know, they know more than you do because it's all they know, all right? You, you know your way around a whole bunch of things and you can BS with anybody and talk people out of a lot of money if you're the vice president of the United States, but you probably don't know the intricacies of how Medicare works, for example. Just saying. Anywho, <clears throat> we go from that sort of back to California. Everything leads back to California. I'm telling you, it really is the Wuhan laboratory of the destruction of this country if we follow it. And sadly, so many Democrats in this country, they either follow California's lead. Oh, we got this. It's a progressive idea. What? Women, uh, men in women's prisons because women, uh, because they're women. They just, they said they're women. They must be women. They wouldn't lie about something like that just to be around a bunch of women rather than men for purposes of sex while they're in prison. Nobody would nobody would think to do that. No, no. Everybody would think to do that. But those people are nuts out in California. And then those ideas spread like a cold on a plane. And then you get worse worse is the politicians who try to out California California. On certain things they try to get ahead of California. <laughs> Just like you know you're in trouble there. Anyway, the uh, L.A. County Board of Supervisors, they had a, they're had they um, toying with the idea. See, COVID rates are up. Uh, COVID hospitalizations aren't necessarily up. And certainly the number of COVID cases versus the number of deaths are not up. Like, uh, just for an example, just the seven-day rolling average again. Uh, seven-day rolling average number of cases one year ago was 56,996, so 57,000 cases, uh, seven-day average. Now it's 128,731. That is two and a half times more cases than a year ago. But the number of deaths is less than double. It's important. It's not nothing, but it's, it's important. A year ago, the number of deaths, seven-day rolling average, 275. Now it's 435. So a doubling would be 550. It is more than 100 short of that. That's significant. Two and a half times the number of cases and not correlating two and a half times the number of deaths. That's a good thing. It's a good thing, even when they're cooking the books and making the numbers up as they go. But because of paranoia, the fear that they instilled in so many people, and the fact that these local politicians are desperate to hold on to these emergency powers. They need to keep manufacturing and remanufacturing a panic every once in a while. Plus, there's an election coming up in California, and people are pretty sick of Democrats. So the Democrats need to make sure that they keep in place the ballot harvesting the vote by mail, they need to justify all of these things. And so they are uh, keeping the hope alive, if you will. So the L.A. Board of Supervisors is discussing the prospect, the probability, not even possibility, the probability of bringing back mask mandates starting next week. And so 
It's shocking. I'm looking at the headline. If L.A. County imposes mask mandate, Beverly Hills won't enforce it. Okay, congratulations, Beverly Hills. You'll vote for the idiots who did it, but you won't live by that. They should actually absolutely enforce it in Beverly Hills. They voted for these people. They funded these people. Anyway, this is the uh, supervisor of Los Angeles County, the head of the board, a woman named Sheila Kuhl, K-E-U-H-L, talking via Zoom because they meet via Zoom because, of course, they meet via Zoom because they're paranoid and they need to try to scare the hell out of people. And she makes an analogy. You want to know how unserious these people are and how committed to the con these people are. Listen to this one. And, um, you know, I'm particularly struck by uh, kind of the blowback from um, a a number, though not a really significant number of sort of, uh, you know, snowflake weepies about how oppressive it is to wear a mask. Uh, I don't hear them, you know, writing me about shoes, which are actually more oppressive to your feet than wearing a mask on your face. Uh, but we do that really for health. What kind of shoes is this woman wearing? She's a, a substantive woman of size. I don't think she's wearing stiletto heels and, you know, pumps and whatnot. But oppressive masks are not oppressive. Shoes are more. I mean, how it takes a special kind of stupid to come up with that kind of analogy. She did go on to say, that uh, we also don't hear people complaining about having to wear shoots, shirts when they go into restaurants. It's a little bit different there. You don't breathe through your chest. Um, there's sanitary reasons. You can say, well, there's sanitary reasons with a mask. Yeah, you have to exhale, though. You have to breathe. I'll tell you, going to the clinic yesterday with Quinn, you had to wear a mask. In the because a bunch of sick people come in, it actually kind of makes a little bit of sense there in the clinics. Just because people come in with everything, could be the flu, could be anything, a cold. If you have a good mask, and I did stock up on N95 masks, you can you can prevent, and it fits well. You can prevent some transmission of that. So it makes sense. But we are sitting there, and Quinn is running a mild fever, and she's wearing a mask for the first time, and. God knows how long, not not a year, but pretty damn close to a year. And I can feel her. She's like, she asked me, can I take this off? It's making my face hot. And I said, you can't. They, will, they, don't, they don't want it here. There's a bunch of people who were sick in the, the room. And so uh, it's like, we're going to go outside. We'll just go stand out in front. I'll tell the lady at the desk we're out front when they just maybe throw a book at the window or something and we'll come because you can take it off outside. And we got up to go outside, and that's when we were called in, thankfully. And once we were able to move the, I don't know why they kept the uh, waiting room seemingly hotter than everything else. Once we got into the exam room, it was fine, and she was able to take it off for the exam and whatnot. But it is a major pain in the butt. It's wildly inconvenient, and if you don't wash your mask regularly or have multiple masks, you're shoving your face into disgusting germs. You are... uh, choking yourself you're not going to die from it but it's certainly not good it's not ideal breathe into your arm all day breathe through your shirt all day it gets uh, uncomfortable not good so to sit there and compare it to wearing shoes step on a nail 
and tell me that's the that's uh, <laughs> nothing. It's why that's why you're wearing shoes. You want to protect your feet. It's different than telling somebody they have to wear a mask. And if you don't recognize, you have no business in public life. Even Joe Biden came out today and was telling people to wear masks again. When you're in a crowded indoor public place, blah, 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 blah. Joe, nobody cares anymore. All right? If you just, these people realize that if maybe they would just be honest with people. Maybe just be honest. Look, it's not a vaccine. It'll maybe boost your uh, immune system. And uh, if, it, if you've got a pre-existing condition, that's the thing to do. Instead, you're sitting there going, what? Well, we're about to run 40,000 people out of the military. Why? Because they refuse to get the shot. 40, can we afford to lose 40,000 when we can't get you know, recruiting goals? Hell no, we can't afford to lose 40,000 people. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They want you to get the shot. Why? Well, just because. Why? Because the drug companies want you to? And then this from the New York Times, and you sit there and you go, yeah, this is a, this is a no S Sherlock moment. New York Times. Few parents in the U.S. intend to vaccinate their children against COVID, a new survey found. 43% of parents of children ages 6 months through 4 years old said they would refuse the shots, and an additional 27% said they were uncertain, the poll found. Well, of course. Of course. Why would, unless there is you know an immune deficiency something going on with that child why in the hell would you subject that kid to the world's largest clinical trial why oh no now you got to get the babies boosted when they went down to like five years old and then they said okay now five-year-olds have to get boosted and you're sitting there and you're going what in the hell we're one step away from putting this stuff in the water there's a fluoride we're about to turn this stuff into fluoride it's nuts. People wonder why they don't trust them. Oh, well, let's send out Joe to go do it. Joe has been uh, double vaccinated and double boosted, and he's got COVID. All right? Yeah, okay. So how is that working out? So what is your argument? Do what I say. Do a, And you can end up like me. What, getting COVID? Again, this isn't to say if you have a pre-existing condition or some comorbidity or something that depresses or suppresses your immune system, you should take every precaution you can. It's not a mockery of that. And if you're just uh, paranoid and you want to walk around with a fishbowl on your head and breathe oxygen from a canister like you're scuba diving at the Costco, do it. I don't care. But it's when you try and force everybody else, when you get these idiots like Sheila Kuhl out in Los Angeles going, uh, Four foot ten Democrat talking about a Napoleon complex going, oh, it's these people. They just refuse to put their masks on. Put your damn mask on and quit whining. It's just like wearing shoes. No, it's not. Do you breathe through your feet? Now, I, I believe you talk out of your rear end. I believe your head is up there, too. You might breathe out of there, but you don't breathe or talk out of your feet. There's a bit of a difference. Do you eat through? I love it. Like, oh, masks for safety. We need masks for safety. But you can take your mask off while you're drinking and the, throughout the entirety of drinking. Huh? Well, uh, 
why does the virus go well no no don't don't escape right now or don't go in there they're drinking that would be rude I used to have a uh, used to date a girl who if you'd yawn if anybody would yawn one of those things anybody yawn without covering their mouth she'd stick her finger in their mouth to illustrate they're not covering their mouth that's a little bit annoying but that's the kind of thing that these leftists do you're not wearing a mask but but you the virus goes oh no we could go in their mouth no no they're just drinking they're eating stay back if if they get a little uppity and talk for too long without putting the mask back on without eating then we go in but we cut a deal with the humans and we understand that if they're out protesting for social justice if they mention George Floyd or they're eating or drinking, we all sort of back off. It's We become Switzerland. The dining room table is Switzerland. It's nuts. It's stupid. It's not surprising, but it's nuts and it's stupid. And thank God the vast majority of people are going, well, okay, we see the numbers of children. Every child's death is a tragedy. But we also see a whole bunch of 20-somethings, particularly boys, but women too, dropping dead randomly out of the blue, perfectly healthy, dropping dead. And we have some questions because they've all seemingly been vaccinated. It just, I don't know if there's a cause or effect or correlation is not necessarily causation, but there should be some damn questions. So before you get anywhere near my child with a shot like that, you're going to have to show me some serious hard data. And it's going to have to also involve the shot actually working, which it doesn't. Uh, lastly today, I want to play you this, uh, this clip of CBS News. It pains Gail King to do this introduction. There is still a problem with baby formula in this country. Democrats don't want you to know that, so they largely ignore it. And this report dutifully ignores who the president of the United States is, what party the White House is under control of, or anything, but they have to report on it because it's still news. And Gail King sounds like she's just learned that her puppy died in the introduction. She clearly does not want to do this package. A new survey says the supply of baby formula powder is at its lowest level in stores since the shortage began earlier this year. The research firm IRI found more than 21% of all formula products are out of stock nationwide. That number jumps to more than 31% for powdered formula. The FDA now plans to review its own handling of this crisis, but the shortage is still affecting families now, and that's the problem. Meg Oliver spoke to two moms who say it's harder than ever to feed their kids. I've been searching everywhere. For Julia Morgan and her eight-month-old daughter Tatum, finding formula is a daily struggle. How much formula do you have left right now? About a week and a half. How desperate do you feel right now? Not being able to provide for your infant is horrible. It's, it's the worst feeling. We feel helpless and um, very desperate. Tatum is lactose intolerant and needs a hypoallergenic formula or she gets very sick. Did you think this would continue on for so long? No, I did not. I thought I was in the clear because I had like two months supply. So I was like, oh, by the time I run out, they'll definitely have this resolved. I did not know this would still be lingering on. You had faith in government. You put your trust in government, particularly a government run by Democrats, but government in general, and that was your first mistake. This is still going on. It's not being reported nearly as much as it deserves to be reported because, as you could hear there, even you know who president is. You know who the vice president You know who controls Congress. It's Democrats. This is a Democrat scandal. 
even if they dutifully do what CBS did there and refuse to acknowledge who the president is and what the party is, the people know. And so they have to just kind of play this game. They don't want to report on it. But it's still, I was in a safe way yesterday. There's a big sign. If we have baby formula, you can only take like one or two of them. And the baby formula, they did have the powdered can mix with some weird brand from Australia. They said, now this stuff is legal here. It's perfectly good. Trust us. Wasn't a whole lot of it. People were trusting them because they have no choice. But uh, November, we have a choice. November, we need to make the right one. That is all the time we have for poor Gail King. That's all the time we have for today. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. I appreciate you listening. Have yourself a glorious day. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.